Does AsyncIO support asynchronous I.O. for file operations from Andrew Svetloff? AsyncIO. Yeah. Okay. AsyncIO. AsyncIO. That just sounds like, like <laughs> Pinocchio's little brother. Yeah. It's a, it's a lovely antipasta. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast. I am here chatting with my good buddy, Paul Ford. I don't want to say we're chatting. I want to say we're yapping. We're yapping. Sarah's in a meeting. She's going to join us a little later. Yeah, Sarah might join us later. So Yap is an app that you put out on the web. Yap is an app. I feel like I'm in a Dr. Seuss book. Yap.chat. <laughs> so my company, Postlight, we, we have a thing called Labs, which is what you'd expect. Except every employee gets to participate in a Labs effort over the course of the year. Mm-hmm. So people can, because we do a lot of client work, and you want to give people a little variety. This is their 20% time to work on a little project? 20% would be for a bigger company. Right. But this is their 5% time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a couple weeks for sure. Yeah. And everybody in the org, not just engineers, gets it. So we, in that way, we're a little bit better. So yap.chat, if you go to it, all it lets you do, and we should actually, I want to talk about how it's been misunderstood, because it's fascinating. All it's for is you can set up a chat with... Uh, five of your friends. And there's no log. It's just the most recent message. Right. Everything's in memory on a server, and it all expires and goes away after 24 hours. This was what confused me yesterday, mm-hmm. was that I started a yap, and I invited you and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Before you arrived, I was the only one there. And like a slack, I thought, I started saying things, multiple ideas, one after another that would follow sequentially, but only the la- the last thought remained. That's right. There's no memory. It's like you're walking up to, it's like you're going to see your friends at a bar. Except I remember the last thing that they said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah, that's right. You, you're, you're walking up and the last thing they said is right there. Right. It's really, you can get a video playing or watch a live stream and you can just chat about that amiably. Yeah. So that's all it's for. It's for conversations like, where should we go to lunch or... I can't believe what I just saw on the VMAs. See, here's the only thing, right? It is like a conversation between two people, and then the third person walks up, and all they hear is the last thing that those Mm -hmm. two people said. Whereas I think people often, if they're invited into a group chat, they're used to like going back into the history. Oh, you read the logs. I'm I'm on some group chats where I can't really participate because every time I go in, it'll have been like a week or two. Right. And by the time I get caught up, I have to go do something else. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's a new, it, it, was a, it was a new paradigm for me. I wasn't ready for it. I don't think I executed too well. <laughs> no, well, the thing is, is it, it's really hard to get users to understand a new communication app, right? Because you're saying, hey, why don't you communicate with your friends that way? Which right. is literally asking people to be like, hey, why don't you wear weird purple hats? You yeah. know, it's just a very unusual thing to do. Um, and so people, especially on Twitter, are really confused because they want to invite a bunch of strangers in and yeah. they're, they want to enhance their cloud or like tell a little story. And it's like, nah, not really. Mm. Just go talk to your friends quietly. When yeah. you said enhance your clout there, I thought of clout with a K. With a K. Mm. Now, for the younger listeners, clout with a K was a, a site that gave you a numerical score based on how important you were online. Yes. And it, it became grisly really it fast. It got grisly really fast. I think they were like freebies. Maybe you get a Soho house invite. Oh, it was yeah. so bad. Yeah. And there was one VC firm that actually invited people and they, or invited people to apply for jobs but required a certain level of clout. Oof. 
which I, it just it was just dirty. Yeah. It was just just horrible, horrible commoditization of people. That's kind of what we're doing the opposite of. Here. Yes, you know, this is a couple weeks of effort, and what's great about the web is you can be like, hey, let's prototype a scalable chat client that will run serverless in the cloud. Yeah, tell people a little bit about what it's built on and how it runs. Well, the the core engineer behind it is a person named Adam Pash who runs our labs group, but it runs on Elixir, which is a, a language that is built on top of Erlang and. Uh, what Elixir lets you do is have lots and lots and lots of simultaneous connections. And so uh, that makes for a very scalable chat client. And then we said, what if we didn't write to disk? What if we didn't spy on anybody? And so that made some, everything really loosely connected and a lot easier to build. And then uh, good design on the front end. Keep it focused on the web. Mobile's a little hard to get six people chatting at once yeah. without a log. We're still working that one out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so it's fun. It's fun to build things. I mean, that's just this is this is lifeblood, and it's fun to build things that just scratch a weird itch. That's great. All right, so check out Yap if you mm -hmm. haven't yet. What's the best way to do it? Yap .chat. Yap .chat. It's a little markety, but actually, like I would like to hear what people think. You can you can shoot me a DM on Twitter at F Train and tell me everything I did wrong or everything we did wrong. And I will say we had a really good experience with Elixir. Like that is for this kind of server yeah. where there's lots of little things just bouncing back and forth. It is as good as it gets. Cool. All right. Check it out. Let us know what you think. And uh, maybe we'll read some of the feedback. Oh, yeah. On definitely. the next podcast. <laughs> Reading mean <laughs> tweets. And so our guest this week will be Major League Hacking. They came in and talked about how fast their organization is growing, all the amazing student hackathons they're putting on around the world, and how you can get involved. You know, it is pretty exciting to have in the studio someone who wore a jacket that identifies their company. It's MLH. Let's find out what it stands for, uh, starting with John Gottfried. Welcome. Hey, uh, it's good to be here. MLH is... Major League Hacking, not, not, major. not hockey. Yeah. yeah, Major League Hacking. And John, you're the co-founder of Major League Hacking? I am. Okay. And the then, better half. That's good. That's good. And then <laughs> you are joined by Mary Siebert. Hello, Mary. Hey, I'm excited to be here. And you are the Hackathon Community Manager. Yes, am I correct? that is correct. Okay. So Very we're gonna, cool. We're going to dive into these things. First of all, let's just like get it out of the room. Hackathons are sometimes controversial because they exploit labor and make people stay up all night. Yes. Which is bad. Like we associate that with like sweatshops. Idolizing burnout culture. Yeah. Let's yeah. go straight in there and, and like let's talk about that first so that the listener can relax and get to know you instead of wondering <laughs> when are they going to talk about the free labor part. Yeah. So how do you exploit people? <laughs> you know, we don't exploit people. That's, oh, that's the twist here. We're going to drop it early. Um, Seriously, my anxiety level just went hugely down, right? <laughs> Help me understand, because you put a lot of people in a room, you close the doors, and you make them code a lot. That just sounds like a Silicon Valley fantasy. What, what is actually going on? We work exclusively with student-run hackathons, so a couple of things that are a little bit different about those versus what you might see in a professional hackathon are we exclusively work with ones where students own any IP that they create throughout the weekend, so they aren't building something for someone else mm -hmm. to use and profit off of. And then we really encourage healthy habits at our hackathons, so every event we work with has space for people to sleep and people to be comfortable in and recharge. Uh, the other thing I would add there is I think... Uh, you made some comment like we're forcing people to work all weekend and code, but no one's forcing them to be there, right? Like this is something they choose to do because it's part of their social and educational experience. And it's like 
some people are really into college football and go to games every weekend. Sure. Our students go to hackathons every weekend. And college they, like, students staying awake all night, like drinking coffee, doing things is not a crazy concept. It's right. really not. I mean, like the alternative is that they're partying all weekend, right? So yeah. I think that maybe this is a much more productive use of their time. Now they're partying with code, which is mm-hmm. actually... And no alcohol. Yeah, yeah. if you were yeah. part of the outdoors club and you went on that big 24, 48-hour hike, it would be taxing on your body. And this is kind of the same, right? I mean, I do think that if we're talking about hackathons as being something that your company's asking you to do, and it's like, all right, company hackathon Saturday, 24 hours, that, you know, is a bit problematic. I've been to those. Yeah. That's, it's not good. <laughs> it, it's just, you don't want to be in close proximity to coworkers and their bodies for that long. <laughs> um, all right. So wait, let's, let's back up now that the confrontational part is ended. Let's back up. <laughs> And talk about what one of these is. Because it's students. And yep. yes. So first of all, how do you get it? What do colleges come to you? Do you go yeah, to what's colleges? The what's the origin story here? Yeah. Oh, how did this happen? So about six years ago is when we started MLH. And at that time, hackathons were sort of siloed on the campuses you would think of, right? Like MIT, you know, other Ivy League schools, like schools that have this kind of rich hacker history. You know, if you've ever read about the Homebrew Computer Club and the origins of all of these early hackers. Am They're I? from those campuses. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> totally understood. Okay. Um, so wait, what were you doing at this point? Well, so um, I was working at Twilio as a developer evangelist. Okay. So I would go around and sponsor a lot of these early student hackathons. And it quickly became my favorite part of my job because I got to work with really young, smart, energetic people that were like, learning and doing crazy stuff. And, you know, we saw an opportunity where students would leave these hackathons, go back to whatever school they came from. Like, I went to Stony Brook, which is a SUNY school on Long Mm -hmm. Island, not known for a history of hacker culture. And people would go back and be like, hey, that was an amazing experience. I want to replicate that. Mm -hmm. And they started coming to us as, like, sponsors and mentors for advice on how to do that. And it quickly grew to a big enough volume where we had to work on it full time or not at all. I mean, SUNY Stony Brook is like a great school, actually, but it's just yeah, it's like, fantastic. So, but yeah, they're not. But it's gonna, not MIT. Exactly, they're not going to. You know, it's not going to be like Stanford, and there's like this whole structure, and people are just ready to throw money at students in any circumstance. So they're coming and they're saying like that was really productive, and they talked about it a lot afterwards. Mm-hmm. Okay, so around six years ago, you're like, let's do this. Let's let's stay up all night with lots of students. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of this magical thing, right? You're sitting there in an event. And someone's building something that they came up with on their own. It wasn't assigned to them. They're not being graded. They're not, like, being judged on their job performance. They just had some crazy idea they want to do. And they come to you and they're like, yo, how do I get this to make a HTTP request, right? And you help them solve that problem for the first time. And that is so, like... I don't even know how to describe it. It's like an amazing experience to sit there and help someone think through a problem and learn how to solve problems in a bigger way. Fast forward six years, how big is this in terms of people, in terms of schools, in terms of students? Give us some stats. Yeah, that first year, I think we had, what, it was like 5,000 students or something? Whoa. And last year, we had maybe 125,000. Whoa. Nice. That's a lot of students. Yeah, It's an incredible amount of students. Uh, we, we looked recently, and something like 10% of all developers in the U.S. have gone through our events. Amazing. Okay. And so is this a business? Do you monetize through this? 
Yeah, so we're uh, B Corp, um, mm-hmm. which is a mission-driven for-profit company, a uh, pretty new model. And what it means is part of our corporate bylaws is our mission, which is to empower hackers. And so all the decisions we make have to fit into that context. They can't just be profit-motivated. Gotcha. Mary, can you let's, – let's have a hackathon. Where, what do we do? It's when, What time do we start? What do we do? Yeah, so they look pretty different from event to event, but I'd say – Our standard events usually start on a Saturday morning. People are getting there pretty early. They're rolling in. And they always kick off with some sort of opening ceremonies, get people excited, tell people, you know, what you're going to expect this weekend. Mm -hmm. And then over the next 24 hours, you see everything from beginner workshops that maybe are put on by professors at the university or students there or sponsors of the event. You'll see different, like, mini events and just fun things going on. You'll see... Just like fun and games, honestly, throughout a lot of it. The last event I was at, they were at one point planting succulents and hackers were painting the planters for them um, and things like that. So it's really just whatever people can think of to kind of uh, feel like those extra times. So this is more like a happening. This is like there's art yeah. happening, yes. there's well, socializing you, happening. You can't put happening. undergrads together and not expect just sort of... yeah. Frolic. I, uh, painting yeah. succulents was a 60s vibe that I was never <laughs> anticipating. That is definitely like, yo, we got the succulents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, is some, this is some Laurel Canyon hack. Exactly. Um, okay, so let's say I'm like, I'm a junior in comp sci, and mm-hmm. I'm coming to this thing on Saturday. What might I be doing? Or How long do they last? Uh, 24 to 36 hours, okay, typically. So 36, I... I I enter one kind of person, I leave another kind of person. What have I done? Like, <laughs> what's the goal? What am I supposed to do? Trial by fire. I, I've, got, I've got a little bit Yeah, just no, try It's just they use sparklers. They just press them against your skin to motivate you. Go ahead. Um, so I think the ultimate goal is to demo something at the end of it. You okay. have the chance at the end to show off what you created and whether that be a really, really simple web app that you created um, or, you know, a box that pops up and says, hello world. We get excited about people just showing off what they built throughout the weekend. Um, so I think for most of our events, that really is the end goal, having as many people as possible, um, you know, be proud of something that they Make made. Make something mm-hmm. and show yeah. it and say like, okay, I did it. And, you know, I was talking to some of the engineers. I was just at the Stack Overflow retreat down in Austin for three days, and they were saying I would always hire somebody uh, who has done a one-month internship and showed me what they built over someone with a four-year, you know, CS degree who can't really talk through actually building something. There's a lot of theoretical knowledge, but not a lot of put it into production. Well, this is really tricky because com- computer science doesn't o- doesn't really teach programming as a craft. It teaches, a, you know, it teaches like a lot of the theory and a lot of the math. So you can true those things up. It can just take a minute. Yeah. And I think hackathons do a really good job of the project part of that, right? They're not teaching you how to scale an application. I joked it was a trial by fire, but what do you feel people come out of this having learned? Hackathons provide that uh, like practical project-based learning side of CS. Um, you know, they're not teaching you like really good architectural skills, how to scale an application, but they teach you how to take an idea and bring it to fruition, right? And that's something you don't typically learn in class. Like if you go to a career fair, you see a hundred resumes with the same class project on it, and hackathons give people a little creative space to do something beyond that. It's funny, I actually left journalism, I think, and ended up on this career path because of this unbelievable robotics competition that DJI hosts. And I went to see that in Wait, 2000. Wait, what's DJI? 
DJI is the world's largest maker of consumer drones mm, with okay. cameras for doing, you know, film and photography, not for flying in the military. And so I've been following that company for a few years, just like their, you know, the gadgets they were making. And then I heard about this competition. And so they do a one week giant robot battle in a stadium in Shenzhen that's like for hosting pop stars. And it was totally that experience for the first time you go in there and people are sleeping on the floor next to somebody who's like welding something. And you're just like, (laughs) I've never felt energy like this, you know. And the amazing thing about that one is not only do you have to like put it into production, right? But then it's sort of this endurance thing where it's like, if it breaks during the competition, you got to fix it. You got to go out and like get supplies overnight and like figure out how to make this work. And it always breaks. Well, they're shooting golf balls at each other, so it always breaks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, Mary, before we were talking, how did hackathons change your life? Oh, my gosh. In so many ways. So I grew up in Kansas. Not a huge tech scene there. Maybe shocking to hear. Barbecue, Um, though. Yes, there is really good barbecue. So, you know, trade-offs. Yeah. (laughs) And so as a high schooler, I didn't really have um, a ton of opportunities to get into tech, anything like that. I thought it was interesting. And then I, as a freshman in college, decided to enroll in an intro to computer science class. Knew nothing about programming, had never programmed before. I had made a project in Scratch one time. That was the level of my experience before going there. And it was absolutely terrifying. It was myself. There were two other girls in the class. And I just like didn't feel like I belonged at all. And so fast forward about a year after that, I was thinking I probably wanted to switch my major and ended up attending a hackathon and then just fell in love with building projects because I was outside of um, like feeling the pressure for like getting an A on something or having, you know, this like perfect piece of code. And it was just about having fun. So you took this wonderful moment of joy and play and turned it into your job. Yes. Um, And so after attending hackathons, I ended up organizing that same one that I attended at my school. And then I realized that I was having way more fun organizing than I was doing my homework. So then I came to work at MLH and help other people organize hackathons. And also avoid their homework. Yes. (laughs) There's such balance in nature. This is an emotionally intense crowd of human beings. Right. I mean, it's, you know, people in their sub 20s and you put them into like a positive stress position, but kind of a stress position. How what do you do to kind of manage the fact that like, you know, at about three in the morning, somebody has too many cups of coffee and gets a little weird. Therapy dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Really? (laughs) There's a huge movement, I would say, in the community of trying to bring in elements that are like relaxing and fun and give people a mental break. Therapy dogs are so common at our events now, which is incredible. We actually have a channel in our Slack that's just hackathon dogs. And all of our staff who go to events post photos of different like dogs they meet at events. It's amazing. Wait, so people bring their own therapy dogs or like, do do you bring therapy dogs or does the event provide therapy dogs? (laughs) So events organizers will oftentimes contact either through um, a group on their campus or through a local shelter and arrange for dogs to come to the event and hang out with hackers. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, this is a hundred percent true. How many dog? Oh, I've seen anywhere from like five to 20. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it's three in the morning. (laughs) Sarah, you've been staring at JavaScript code. Yeah, I've been there. Okay. You are doing cool things, but you're starting to melt down. Here are five dogs. Is that good? That would have been great. (laughs) I would have loved that. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. sometimes, I don't know. You know, like when you're in that moment, I feel like you're always kind of manic. So yeah, like <laughs> taking a step out and like hanging with some dogs, that would have been amazing. Wow, this yeah. feels like an on-delivery service. Like there's an app and you're just like need5dogs.app and you just like, <laughs> you hit that button and the five dogs show up. Yeah. Okay, so your next hackathon project. Hackathon idea. Yeah. What, uh, okay, so mm-hmm. you at one point you mentioned painting succulents. Uh, what other things will bring an, an anxious coder down? I mean, the succulents are good. The dogs are good. So plants. Plants will soothe of college plants. hackers. Yeah, you um, talk to them. I do, no, no one has ever, okay, wow, it's just been a while for me. So nobody ever like came in with a plant and was like, hey, you need to chill out, dude. Of course, yeah. I was an English There is major. a like, very long line to get a plant. Okay, okay. I love this because it's like it, it's very much like this modern thing. You know, you're hacking with code on a computer, and then the rest of it is like very caveman. It's like touch the plants and be with your pack of dogs. <laughs> it, it is pretty wild. <laughs> I, I mean, like it, it's really funny. I think because it's not like you. You might think that walking into a hackathon, it's like a bunch of developers sitting in a room, like not talking to each other, coding. I'll be but frank. I I had that thought. Yeah, it's yeah. like much more of a social event than that. Like. People are running around doing crazy stuff. There's games going on. Like cup stacking is this immensely popular game at our hackathons where you take like a hundred solo cups and people make towers of them. Like this sounds absurd to get like a bunch of 20-year-olds like building cup towers, but it is incredibly popular. They're a lot louder than I think people would imagine. You walk in and it, it well, doesn't five look dogs. Yeah. <laughs> the dogs are running around, cups are falling. I mean, they're therapy dogs, so they're pretty quiet. But yeah, like there's a, there's a lot of noise. You hear like all sorts of weird stuff at hackathons, music. Sometimes people are playing their own instruments. Sometimes you have people giving talks. Sometimes people are just like having rap battles. Like it's all sorts of bizarre stuff. It's amazing. So this is more like Red Bull than I imagined. I didn't realize what kind of event we were getting into. But now I think oh, yeah. I understand. It, it is like a... I would say it's the most relaxing extreme sport out there. <laughs> yeah. Not as many injuries, right, as motocross? I, I hope not. <laughs> um, so what are some of the most interesting projects you've seen over the last few years? Like what was really inspiring to you from different schools or different regions? So one of the my favorite projects that I've seen recently, I really liked it because only one person on the team knew how to code before they got to the event, which is always just really cool to to talk to a team and then hear like, oh, I'd never written a line of code and this is what I built. And so this team came together and it was someone with a technical background, someone who was really into music, and then someone really into art. And they made this really beautiful video game with all custom art throughout it and music for each level. So they were each able to kind of take these things they were passionate about, put them into a really cool project that was fun to play. So I love projects like that where where people are coming together from these different backgrounds and then making something cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's actually really interesting because only about half of the people who go to our hackathons are studying computer science. So you see this huge mix of people with other expertise. And like that, when Mary told me about that, I was like, this is amazing. Like I have to play this right now because like, that's the kind of thing that gets me excited about programming, right? It's not like, how do you milk like another dollar out of someone in an ad network? It's what's the coolest thing that you can build with a group of people where like, they all have something to contribute that's not entirely technical. What kind of prizes are you seeing for hackathons these days? I once won a $500 JetBlue gift certificate. Um, that's the best thing. That's the 
biggest prize I won? What kind of stuff do you see? We, we actually try really hard to disincentivize prizes. They're a common thread among all the events, but the value of the prize is totally irrelevant. We want people to feel recognized for winning. Like you accomplished something, you built something cool, other people think it's cool, but it's not about the money, right? It's usually like stuff that will get people to continue hacking. So maybe you win a Arduino kit. Maybe you get uh, like a cool soldering iron. Maybe you get like a drone. There's all sorts of weird stuff out there that is like hacker friendly, where the value of the prize is less important than the fact that it's something you can build on. I mean, a JetBlue ticket is kind of like a drone. Yeah, I guess okay. <laughs> <laughs> a big one. Can I tell you about the project that I made? I'm proud of it to this day. It's been like 10 years. But it was during a time where um, those apps that would put mustaches on people was really big. And we built one that used uh, face recognition to remove mustaches from people. Oh, that's really important work. Doesn't that like ruin it for Sam Elliott fans? (laughs) <laughs> we weren't really thinking about Sam Elliott fans at the time. Mm, but what does see. it do with people with beards? Does it just remove the mustache It just removed the mustache. Oh, That's so terrifying. Some wow. of the most nightmarish images I've ever seen in my life were when, you know, Snapchat first came out with the face swap app, and mm. I would do it with my kids, and it would mm. do everything except it would keep the beard and mustache. Oh, on the child? <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. Ooh. Ooh. That's- pretty great what are the students into along those lines is it a lot of machine learning these days or is it just like what are they what are they what what things attract and excite our young programmers there's such a wide variety you'll see like at a given event everything from some sort of like ai projects to mobile projects to like something's just just solving a problem that they're having in their life and they want to build an app for yeah I i think with students you see a lot of like Here's how to make a better class schedule. Here's how to like organize your time with your friends to study, like things that solve like very specific problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and a handful of campuses actually give like APIs and stuff that students can tap into, which I think is really interesting because now they're sort of like building things that other students on campus can use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see a lot of campus specific projects from event to event. Interesting. So campuses are getting their own platforms that students can hack against. It's a it's a little maybe maybe less serious than that. Like oftentimes it's a student who builds an API for some course schedule that's actually in the background just like scraping a website. Mm. So a lot of like janky workarounds because schools are not known for having like the most advanced tech platforms. So this is actually reminding me when I was a tech journalist here in New York, there was a disrupt and why event and two people came together to work on something that they wanted to solve, which was how do you find your friends at the music festival? And then they built GroupMe and then they got acquired for like bajillion dollars by I was Skype also or whatever. At that event. Yeah, you were at that event. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a hackathon where somebody built something and went on to be a real company. Does that happen out of any of your events? Have you seen products or companies spin out of these events? Incredibly rarely. I, I would say that like a lot of people think about like hackathons. They're like, oh, what happens to the projects after the event? Like, how do you get people to continue working on them? And I always say, that's not the point, right? Like, we don't want people to continue working on them a lot of the time because it de-risks it when you don't have to think about the future. Like, people get way more creative over the weekend if they're, like, not thinking about how do I monetize this. I would say that what more frequently happens is students meet their future co-founders at events. So the project is irrelevant, right? It's, I want to learn something, I want to try something new, but... Afterwards, they go home and they're like, yo, I really liked working with her. Let's go build a startup together in our free time outside of hackathons. Um, And that happens pretty often. 
That's why I keep hearing that listening to you guys. So you're like, yeah, the tech, it's all right, whatever. But the social bonds that are formed are actually what matters. Yeah, and, and what you learn, right? But learning has to happen, I think, in an environment where it's safe to learn. And class, it's like you're getting graded. So it's a little scary to try something that's way too outside of like uh, uh, kind of the lines you're within. And in, at work, it's the same thing, right? If you try something that's too wacky, it either won't get adopted or it'll break the whole system and crash your website. And like hackathons kind of provide the alternative to that. Um, so you said you went from like, you know, a couple thousand people at the beginning to 150,000 this year. Is it just in the US or are you in other regions as well? It's uh, global. So we started out in the US, quickly expand to Canada, uh, Mexico, and Europe. And uh, now we're in Asia as well. We've actually had MLH events on every single continent, including Antarctica. We had some researchers run a Crazy. little event there. Yeah, I was really hoping they would have like photos with penguins or something, but I don't think there's actually penguins in Antarctica. Anyway, my, my dream was crushed. We've had events all over. Uh, we, we've seen a ton of growth in India, a lot of different African countries, the Middle East, like places that aren't kind of traditionally served by the U.S. tech industry. It's like super big right now. So a lot of our listeners are probably going, what does this have to do with me? I graduated college over three to five years ago. What should the rest of the tech industry be learning from what you guys are up to? I'd say the biggest one is kind of watching for some of like the the newest developers coming out of our events. And I'd say if people are interested in getting involved, um, our events are always looking for sponsors and for mentors, people who are willing to come to the event um, and help students on their projects throughout the weekend. So those are two really cool ways that, you know, you don't need to be a student or don't need to even be super technical to, to still get involved. Cool. Yeah. And if somebody wants to put on a hackathon, whether that's from a school, I know you said you only do student run, but if they want to put one on from a school or they want to sponsor one, what's the best way to get in touch with you and sort of make that happen? Yeah. If they go to uh, mlh.io, they can find all the details. Our events have a very broad definition of students. We, we've actually seen coding boot camps, other learning groups that are self-organized. Um, they can all kind of participate and run events. Uh, it's just that they have to be open to other students coming. So it's pretty broad. So you also work with organizations that want to get their tech in front of students. How does that work? We, we look at it in terms of mutually beneficial partnerships. Uh, we want companies like, you know, major cloud platforms or API providers to come to the events, give students free access, give them onboarding resources, and then students build stuff on their platforms, right? So for the companies, it's, hey, we want students to be aware of us and know about our tech so that when they're entering the industry, they use it. And for the students, it's, hey, in class, we learn Java. At this hackathon, we learn how to deploy in like a cloud platform, and they can take that into the real world, and it's like a meaningful skill. So like, right, uh, Stack Overflow could sponsor you and people could have access to some of our APIs to get our data and play with that or Stack Overflow for Teams, perhaps. Or Teens. Or Teens. Stack Overflow for Teens. It's perfect Stack Overflow for, for Teens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I think we just, uh, we just came up with a new startup idea here. <laughs> at your next hackathon. I love uh, this idea, but I also like going to bed at 9.30. <laughs> You're just a sponsor, not a participant. Yeah, yeah we, you're, you're not the demo for Stack Overflow for Teens. No, mentors, mentors are there during hackathons. daylight hours. Or for hackathons, yeah. I am not the demo for Stack Overflow for Teens. This uh, is incredibly accurate. 
really, I, I think that if you're listening to this and you're a student, go to one of these events. It'll change your world. If you're an adult, if you're in the industry for a while, if you graduate from college a while ago, go be a mentor. I think it'll get you excited about tech in a way that you haven't been in a long time and become a sponsor because all of these events are free for students to go to and they're funded by awesome companies in the tech industry. Great. How do I get involved with Local Hack Day if I want to hack on that day? Head to localhackday.mlh.io for information, and you can sign up to host your own event or attend one that's already happening. If you are a student that has the opportunity to attend a hackathon or even put on a local hack day, um, you really don't know how it might change your life. I know I wouldn't be living in New York City if I didn't show up to a hackathon one day in 2016. And if you're interested in organizing one, we would love to get involved. We'd love to partner with you and see how we can help you empower hackers in your community. So reach out to us at mlh.io. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Stay in school, but also do a hackathon. Please stay in school (laughs) at hackathons. Um... All right, great. Uh, let's shout out some lifeboaters and we'll call it a day. Lifeboat! Awarded 20 hours ago to LPC underscore dark. What does let underscore self equal this mean in JavaScript TypeScript? Whew, okay. Does Asyncio support asynchronous IO for file operations from Andrew Svetloff? Async IO. Yeah. Okay. Asyncio. You think that just sounds like like <laughs> Pinocchio's little brother. Yeah, it's a it's a lovely antipasta. <laughs> Sorting strings in descending order in JavaScript most efficiently. That was the last one. So we've only got two new ones, I think, since the last time. That's yeah, good though. People are still getting in there and taking troubled questions. Yeah. And treating them right and adopting them and Absolutely. taking care. Good. This is gonna be the last episode. We're gonna take two weeks off for Christmas and New Year's, and we will see you in 2020. I'm Ben Popper, director of content at Stack Overflow. You can find me at Ben Popper on Twitter, and you can check out my series, Ben Popper is the Worst Coder in the World, on the Stack Overflow blog. I'm Paul Ford. I'm the co-founder of a company called Postlight. We build software. Check us out. And follow me on Twitter at F-Train. Uh, I, I really invest in the, the content for the people, and I, I'd love to meet you. Don't forget virtually. to yap. Yeah, and hit yap.chat. And you know what? Sarah has been in a meeting that went long, so you've had to just abide with us, but Sarah J. Chips. Yeah. You should check her out, too. Even though she's not here, her presence is very... Her presence strong. is very felt. Jewel bots for the holidays. That's right. Get some jewel bots. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. It's been a great uh, restart to the podcast. We're so happy to have everybody back listening. We've got some great reviews, and we're psyched for 2020. We might even go on the road. That's right. podcast. Thanks for all the feedback. Let us know if he wants to come to your city. That's right. <laughs> Happy 2020, everybody. Talk to you soon.